Amen. Well, if you would please turn to the Gospel of Luke. We're going to hang out a little bit on chapter 11. You know, flip your iPads, your iPhones, whatever you're using, tablets. If you're not using Apple, I'm, I'll pray for you. But if you are, that was a joke, guys. It's okay to laugh in church. It's okay to be joyful. The Bible actually says that joy is like medicine. It actually heals us from being sourpusses. So it's okay to put a smile on your face. Amen? Amen? Amen. All right. Well, I'm going to title my message today, Shameless Persistence. Some of you who have been around us a long time, you probably already know where I'm going with this. Please, just endure, <laughs> if you could. But I hope to put a, a new spin on it and some new strength in it, as we've been doing now, I think we're in the third week, of really just discussing the topic of prayer. And it's a topic that you're going to hear a lot being in this community, as we are a community that kind of follows out and lives out and flushes out the words of Jesus where he says, my house shall be called a house of prayer. You see, the church is known for many things, isn't it? The church is known for all sorts of, and good things. They're known for good things. Don't get me wrong. But one thing it's not necessarily entirely known as, known as is a house of prayer. And when Jesus walked in the temple back there in the Gospels, and he saw what the church had become, the Bible said that Jesus was filled with righteous anger. And you know what? Jesus could have said anything at that moment, to identify his body. He could have said, my house should be called the house of evangelism. Now I shout, so please, I'm not mad, I'm just passionate. These more passionate people in the body of Christ. Amen? So I'm not angry, I just, I kind of, yeah, it's like riding a roller coaster sometimes, I'm like this, and it's something like that, so don't be, don't look at me weird. I am weird, so just deal with it in your heart, it's fine. <laughs> Let's just we'll get along a lot better that way. But Jesus could have said anything. He could have said, my house should be called the house of prophecy or healing. But no, he says, my house should be called what? A house of prayer for all nations. Listen, when Jesus says something like that, we best pay attention. We best make every effort possible to work it out and become that which he kind of stapled us as or he kind of labeled us as. Amen? So Jesus says, my house shall be called a house of prayer, and hopefully we get to flush that out today. And what does that mean? You know, uh, you know there's so much out there today through IHOP and many different streams about house of prayer. And many times, you know, people come to me, they're like, what? house of prayer, uh, what is this? Listen, let's just boil it down to its simple terms. Okay, simple terms. We're just people who like to talk to God a lot. We like to have conversation with God a lot. And what I hope to show in the Word is He actually likes that. He actually loves that, actually. And so I'm titling my message today, Shameless Persistence. The definition of uh, persistence means to uh, stay firm or obstinate continuance in the course of action in spite of difficulty or opposition. Let me give that again. Firm or obstinate continuance in a course of action in spite difficulty or opposition. Man, that stirs me right away. And in light of this scripture, it even more so stirs me because it's actually my life. Luke 18, verse 1, we know how the chapter of Luke 18 starts off. Luke writes that uh, Jesus told a story that his friends 
might never lose heart. They might never give up, but always pray. I think I'm butchering that, but he said that his friends would always pray, that men should always pray and never lose heart. You probably heard a bit of that. I think my wife touched upon it. We always touch upon it. Why? Why? Because it's important. Because the first thing that seems to be that the church loses its heart in is prayer. It doesn't work. It's too hard. It's too boring. I don't like it. And so we, we just do away with it. And you know, the Bible, and especially the teachings of Jesus, never promises us immediate breakthrough or answers, right? Whenever Jesus talked about prayer, he said, hey, listen, keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. Right? He didn't say, hey, just, just come before me. I'm going to give you what I, I'm just, uh, you know, I'm just going to give you what you want. No! He calls us to persistence. He calls us to uh, continued prayer, perpetual prayer. Some of you are already angry at me because this speaks so contrary to your life. You're right there. You're right in the cross pins of it. You're right in the, uh, if that's the right word, I don't know if the cross pins, the crosshairs, you know, that place where you're like, you're aiming, you're aiming and you're trying to shoot an animal or whatever, and it's right there. But you're right in the thicket of losing heart. And God wants to say, no, be encouraged. Never lose heart. Always give yourself to prayer. Why? Well, we have to believe that Luke and Jesus in chapter, in Luke 18, that he's saying, listen, Prayer is a way to safeguard yourself from discouragement or giving up or losing heart, right? We have to, we have to believe that because Jesus didn't say it. Luke just wrote it. And oddly enough, in my interpretation and in my feelings about Luke 18, Jesus said nothing about losing heart. Although he did in a roundabout way. But he didn't come right out and say it. We all know the story. Let's go on. And those who are familiar with the chapter, with Luke 18, know that there's similar, um, very similar, almost the same message, just different characters in Luke 11. And that's what I hope to land upon today. So if you would, have you turned to Luke chapter 11? We're going to start right in verse 1. Someone say, thank you, Jesus, for the word of God. Now, I watched this video, and I can't believe, the, I can't remember, sorry, the nation uh, that this video was of, but it was this group of, I believe, Koreans or maybe uh, people from China, I, I don't remember, but um, there was a, a box of like a hundred Bibles um, given, smuggled into this country, and you should have saw the frenzy. <laughs> you should have saw these people try to grab a Bible. There was hundreds of them. And obviously, the quote that people used on the video was very convicting because this comes, you know, so easy. I mean, you just go to a local bookstore, you know, local Christian bookstore, you can find it. But uh, listen, we love the Word of God. You got you to gotta grow in a love for the Word of God. This book's not boring. It's not boring at all. You're boring. I'm boring. This book is very interesting. It's very cool, and we should love it. Just a little plug for the Bible. Not that it needs it. <laughs> Luke 11, chapter, uh, verse 1, please, if you would. It says, once Jesus was in a certain place praying. Imagine that. Jesus in a certain place praying. Happened often in Jesus' life. Goes on to say, as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. 
Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. I just want to stop here and just kind of put some two cents in here. You know, being involved with the Justice House of Prayer for a while, if you don't know what that is, that's just a house of prayer in Cambridge that was established uh, some years ago, um, where we come together as a community and really pray for the needs of the city, the nation, each other, and etc. cetera. Um, and for, uh, for the sake of time, that's all I'm going to do right there. Uh, but where was I going? Okay, yes, sorry, had to get back into my mind here. Now, I've had the um, chance to meet with many people that say, hey, hey you know, Daryl, this, this little paragraph here, this should be the totality of what we pray when we come together. Every word here, this, these six little lines. Now, you may think that that's ridiculous. You're like, Daryl, why are you even bringing this up? Because I've actually had conversations with people like that. And not in any way is Jesus saying that this is the paragraph that every time we come to prayer, every time you go to your closet, you should pray. Not at all. Why do I say that? Because you see all throughout the New Testament, they were praying for like the dead to rise. They were praying for the word of God to spread quickly throughout the nation. I mean, they prayed. And I don't know why I put that in there. Just some aggravation because we don't want to we don't want to just sum the existence of prayer to this little paragraph that every time we come together and pray together or pray by ourselves, that this is the framework of what we pray in. Certainly add it. Certainly put it in there. There's nothing wrong with it. I love it. But it's not the totality of what we should pray. And we see that. And even in this particular chapter, Jesus, it says here in verse 5, that he teached a little more about prayer. Okay. So he's more so saying to his friends, listen, this is a great starting place. Start here. Start with these words and see what might happen. You know, pretty lame story, but how many, this is going to be funny, but how many speak in tongues here today? How many of you have the gift of tongues? Okay, yeah, so we're, it's, it's, I know, okay. But when I was uh, introduced to tongues, when I was actually baptized in the Holy Spirit, if you would, I simply just started off, the guy who was leading me through it, simply, I was just, Daryl, start babbling. <laughs> just start, like, and it was the weirdest thing. I'm like, babbling? What does that mean? I mean, I mean, I always do it in my car. I'd be like, you know, it was weird. I was weird back then. Uh, so I would babble all the time, but never, never really kind of connected tongues to the whole picture. And he just said, just start, just start you know, whatever, just, I'm like, what is that? But in faith, I started doing it. I'm like, whatever, I want the gift of tongues. And uh, it was a starting place. And, you know, as I did that, it started to become more fluent right then and there. Like, that language just began to, like, kind of flow off my tongue. And this is all that Jesus is doing. He's like, hey, listen, use this paragraph. Use these Six lines, if you would, as a starting place. But don't stop there. And this is what Jesus goes on to say in the second half of verse 5. Is everybody okay? Okay, two of you are okay. Is everybody all right? Whew. Jesus, help us. Okay. The second half of verse 5. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. Let me just say this. Don't go to your friend's house at midnight ever. 
It's weird. Just don't. Anybody comes to the temple's house, and it, listen, you're not going to be greeted nicely. It's going to be the cops and a blunt object. I'm going for it. Who's here? You know, not necessarily. But you know what? I think Jesus puts it in there to say, listen, guys, because we get so caught up. We get, you know, I could imagine one of the disciples says, well, when should I come to God? When should I pray to God? Is there a right time? Because Jesus, is it the time that you pray? You're praying right now, or you were praying prior to this conversation? But we get caught up, don't we? I think what Jesus is trying to say, listen, God is available all the time. There is never a good time or not a good time to go to God. You can go to him at any time. I love it. Now, you can't come to my house at any time, but you can go to God at any time. And I can't go to your house at any time. Verse 6, a friend of mine just arrived for a visit. This is even weirder. And I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked and my family is in bed for the night. I can't help you. I can't help you. Seems logical. I like it. Same, I probably wouldn't be screaming from the door. The cops would be showing up, you know, but it's logical. The guy, you know, he's like, guy, it's 12 o'clock. I can't help it that your friend came over for some bread. You know, deal with it. What is he coming over at midnight for anyways, man? It's just strange. Verse 8. Here's Jesus' conclusion. Well, one of the conclusions. He says, but I tell you this. Though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep on knocking enough, he will give you what it is or whatever it is you need because of what? Your shameless persistence. I actually didn't title this message myself. I got it from the Word of God. Pretty cool, right? But Jesus is saying essentially that, listen, you can annoy that man long enough. (laughs) You can keep on knocking and eventually... He's going to answer the door. <laughs> now, of course, Jesus is not saying annoy God. Why? Because it's not annoying to God to go to him continually. The, the thing that we should focus in on is the persistence of this man. The, the shameless persistence, if you would. I think if there's anybody who is qualified to speak on this specific topic, it would be our children. Those of you who have them glory be. And you were one of them at one time, and so was I. And we'll get into that. You know, my concern really, well, let me just put my opinion in there first. I really feel like the greatest need, and this is just my opinion, you can do with it what you want, but I really feel like the greatest need in the church is persistent prayer. I do. I am convinced without a shadow of a doubt, we could argue it, we could debate it, but the bottom line, my opinion is the greatest need in the church today is persistent prayer. My concern is that most Christians are waiting for the unction or the desire to pray. When God is simply just saying, I want persistence. I don't go to the justice house of prayer every time feeling the unction or the want to or the desire to pray. I really don't. You're saying, well, you're the leader. No, sorry, I don't. Matter of fact, not all the time, but some of the time, I'd rather not. It's not that I don't like to pray. I just don't like praying with some of you. No, just joking. <laughs> just joking. Just slow down. It's just church. So you laughed. It's good. No. But I, I don't always have the unction or the desire to pray. And I believe that most Christians today don't either. And that's why they don't bother. And those who have been in it for years start to lose the desire. They start to lose the unction. 
But here in Luke chapter 11, the two times in Luke chapter 11 and Luke chapter 18, Jesus never talks about unction. He never talks about your desire. Let me say this. He don't care. Sorry. That was me passionate. That was that. not anger, but just passion. Some, no, I won't go there. Somebody, some say that I should have an organ right here playing with me as I, as I, <laughs> it was Matthew Harlan. Thank you. Thank you. He's from Texas, and every preacher has an organ, right? They're most everyone. And I heard Detroit uh, is pretty famous for that. But I don't. I just have a loud voice. But Jesus never points out our need to have the desire or the want to to pray. He more says, hey, guys, just do it and be persistent in it. <laughs> I love it. I love that some of you guys are so afraid. We're so afraid of routine. Don't kind of lock me in, God. But listen, there is no shadow of change in Jesus. He's a very routine man. He is. The Bible says that there's no shadow of change in him at all. And if you see something different in Jesus today, it's not because he just all of a sudden decided to be different. He always was that way. You just, just saw it. You just caught on, and Jesus is like, yes! And you're probably thinking back, God, you're just, you're so different. You're so amazing. No! I've been the same since day one. God loves routine. He loves consistency. We don't. It's in our nature. Change it up a little bit. I need something that's going to, give me a new movie, something that's going to fix my whatever, my need to be, uh, you know, caught up and blown away and, and led astray. <laughs> no, hopefully not. But you know what I mean? I mean, guys, right now, I'm not doing a lot, but I'm up to, I think, and this is not for to, to pat myself on the back. I don't care. You know, I'm the director, so I believe in if I'm going to call people to bleed, I myself must be hemorrhaging. And so I do probably about six hours in the prayer room. Nothing. That's not even big time. That's not even... I know more college students in California that do more than that. But that's what I do. I don't know where I'm going with this, but hold on. I'm going to figure it out. I just lost my train of thought. As some of you guys are saying, amen. Well, whatever. It's probably something that didn't need to be shared. Let's go on in Luke chapter 11. So Jesus doesn't say that by just knocking at your friend's door, you're going to move him at all to bring forth that bread. Let's look at some of the similar language in Luke 18, if you would. Luke 18, the Gospel of Luke, just a couple pages over. It says right here in verse 1, One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray, and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that, a widow of that city, excuse me, came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God and I don't care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see to it that she gives justice soon. So essentially, again, 
here's another story that Jesus is talking about on the topic of prayer. And he is talking again about persistence or consistently aggravating the judge for justice. And it's because of this aggravation that the just, judge will see to it that she gets the justice she needs just to get her off his back. Have you ever been that? You know, I'm a parent. Abram is more than qualified to preach this message on persistence. We, uh, we have a little dilemma. Well, we're working through it, but it's, it's, we're coming to the other side. But we were having a little bit of a, a rough patch, if you would, in our house. Um, there's this, I don't even know if it's new, but it's new to me. Have you, who's, who's ever heard of Skylanders? Raise your hand if you heard of Skylanders. Okay. I may offend some of you today. Um, but my son, he has his favorite cousin, and it's because it's named Aiden. And I've shared this very often, but I'm going to do it again just because it's a great reference. <laughs> um, Aiden loves Skylanders. And, and, you know, me and Bethany are open. We're not looking to control. And she's like, no, don't listen to that. Don't play with that. No, no, no. Can't do that. But we're, we, we take interest in the movies and the things that he's going to watch. And we just do a little background check and focus on the family. Nothing big. We just look into it. You know, and, and so we looked into Skylanders. And we're just like, I'm not good with that. There's like these portals and demons and... It's just, like, it's just like an introduction, I believe, for young people to be introduced to the occult. I'll do it. I said it. If you play with Skylanders, there's no condemnation for those who are in Jesus. You're free to do as you do. But for me in my house, we will not do Skylanders. And so we're grappling with it because usually Abram's just like, he's bent. He's, he, I don't know where he gets it from. I don't know where he picks it up. Probably his old man, but... Uh, maybe, maybe Bethany. It's probably Bethany. Um, but he just gets bent. He's like, I want Skylanders. I want to get Skylanders. I got to get these Skylanders. And so, you know, we, I'm more accrediting my wife because she's more kind of the person, listen, we don't ever want to crush Abram. Because my tendency is like, no, they are demonic. <laughs> How's that feel? Five-year-old. You need to get in your room and pray a little bit. Get free from those things. But Bethany, she's always like, you know, we don't want to crush him. We, alternatives. It's, you know, it's new for me because in my family, it's just like, no, yes, no, no, you cannot. Yes, you can. It was very laid out for us. And it did. It had a crushing effect. Um, as you can see, years down the road. Uh, <laughs> so glad you're laughing. I do this so you'll laugh. Okay. Uh, I just, yeah. Okay, so we're working with our son. We're trying to create an alternative. So Bethany, she's, listen, I have the best wife in the world. I know some of you fellows are lucky, and you think you have the best wife in the world, but I, I no, I'm just joking. But she starts looking for an alternative. We find this thing called uh, infinity. And essentially what it is, it's kind of like on the same idea with Disney characters. Doesn't necessarily have the demons, you know. Doesn't necessarily have the guys with the big clubs. I will kill you. You know, but it's it's on the same idea. It has a little portal. Has you, know, you can get little guys, put them on there, fight the different levels. It's cool. And so me and Bethany are just trying to sell this thing. Abram, this is cool. I, you want this, but nobody else has it. You want to be a pioneer. You want to pioneer something here, Abram. And so. He, he gives in. We find that alternative, and he's loving it. He's loving the infinity right now. He's Google for it. He's crazy for it. And, you know, with this responsibility, you know, of trying to ch switch things up and get his attention somewhere comes, you know, 
we got to go get, there's like 30 guys that comes with this game, and you can buy them, and they unlock levels, and you can play with them on the levels. It's awesome. And so we're, we're now in this whole thing of buying the Infinity guys. The problem is, is we almost have to buy one every day just so he's happy. I'm not lying. We're working with it. We're praying for it. We still have not yet seen the fruit of salvation, but we are asking God. No, I'm just joking. Um, but we're asking God, and, and, and it's so funny because my son is so persistent. And, I, and I, I've learned, as aggravated as it sometimes make me, as it makes me, not to get too caught up because this is a good quality that he could have in his later years as he interfaces, as he prays, as he learns to love the Lord. He can re- I mean, it would be awesome. You know, we're still waiting for that, but, you know, he's five. We're not, we're not rushing it. But anyways, we, I mean, let me just tell you his persistence. We would go to bed at night. We'd get ready for bed. And so can I go get Mickey Mouse? I really want to go get Mickey Mouse. No, Abram, we're not going to get Mickey Mouse. We just got uh, Davy Jones. Just chill. Can I get Mickey Mouse? I really want Mickey Mouse. I would really like to go get Mickey Mouse. But if you give me Mickey Mouse, I can really, you know, I won't have to do Skylanders. And he just starts working his magic. And he's like, you know, if you give me the, it just goes. To the point where we don't sleep past 7 o'clock any day. Doesn't happen in the temple house. Why? Because Abram, he has like an inner clock that is set for 6.30. And if it's been a rough night, I'm sorry, an uh, inner clock that's set at 6. And if it's a rough night, the next night, he'll, he'll bring it to 6.30. Maybe 7. Very rarely. But the first thing he gets up, as you know, Dad, I was thinking this morning, we could go get Mickey Mouse. And it's just this never-ending, awesome quality. Learn to love it. So that's... What I'm doing, but I can see my son in what Jesus is saying here about persistence. You know? The thing is, is we're, we're not the beggar in Luke chapter 11. We're not the widow in Luke chapter 18. Jesus goes on. Let's turn real quick to Matthew 7. I'm going to start... In the seventh verse, Matthew 7, 7, and I'm going to go to uh, about 10, oh no, 11. Yeah, 11, 7 through 11. <laughs> 7, 11. I love the 7, 11. Try to look for batteries I wanted there yesterday. Not such a good track. Here's Jesus. He says, keep on praying. I'm sorry. Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask. You will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will open. For, in, for everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Verse 9, your parents, you parents, sorry, I'm having a little tongue twister there. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? That'd be weird. Of course not. So if You sinful people know how to give good gifts. Oh, I just lost my place. If you sinful people know how to give good gifts, verse 11, to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask? So essentially, what is Jesus saying is that he is our heavenly Father, and we don't need to go go to him, excuse me, as beggars. We don't need to go to him as widows who are trying to plead our case. But we can go to him as children. See, the tendency is just to get caught up in like some kind of like what I have to do. 
you know, okay, well, I got to go to more prayer. I got to, I got to get, come on. No, but if we understood what Jesus is saying here in these three gospels, we would want to be at every prayer life, every prayer set. We would want to be in the closet. We would want to give ourselves to the place of prayer. What, what father doesn't want to hear their child's voice? And that's simply what prayer is. Let's just boil it down simply. It's you lifting your voice to your heavenly father. And Jesus, in no way in these three gospels, try to say that you are going to get immediately what you ask for. That would be weird. Have you ever seen Bruce Almighty? <laughs> okay, Her- heretical, you know, it's, it's not, okay, I get it. But you know that scene where everybody's just asking and Bruce is like, shut up! I don't want these voices in my ears. And he just starts answering every request in this chaos, chaos. You know, he gives according to his will for our lives. He, he doesn't give when we put the little quarter in or when we play the right numbers. It's, 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 you know, it's so if we had the revelation, and, and we're working on it, we're working on it, that we are simply children talking to our Father. You know, Jesus, he debugged, he demystified what the Pharisees were trying to do uh, to the people of that day, didn't he? And, and he would always just boil it down to, listen, you don't need your robes, you don't need your tassels, you don't need your nice little, you know, prayer boxes on your arms, your, your scripture verses and stuff like that. You just simply talk to God like you're his son, like you're his daughter. And when you have, listen, my son, God bless him and his persistence, but he knows he can come to me at any time, at any point, anywhere, any place, hopefully. He does. I know he does because he does it. <laughs> Even when I don't want him to. But it's the same way with God. And it's under that way of thought that we kind of do away with the have to pray and step into the want to pray. <laughs> See, I don't go to prayer anymore because I think I have to. I don't. I could close shop today, walk away, and do something else. I go because I want to. I want to. And every time that I go and I touch the heart of God, last night, glorious prayer meeting, in my opinion. Glorious. I mean, it's just acoustic guitar and a couple voices. Maybe it's because I got to sing with Christina Ho. I don't know. It always happens when she's probably... Yeah, it's probably what happened. But it was glorious. And why would I ever want to be out of that when I was created for that? When day one, we were created to be in the presence of the Lord. <laughs> and prayer is just simply that. Being in his presence. But we get bored. We lose heart. We want to just change it up. You know what I say to people who just come to me? well-meaning Christians who's just like, hey, you know, we've been praying the same thing kind of over and over through the years. I think, you know, maybe it's time to change it up. I'm like, that's cool. That's cool. I, yeah. you, know, and, you know, and in my heart, I, I, I'm like, yeah, yeah, maybe we should. It is kind of losing its zeal. It's kind of losing some passion. But in light of these scriptures, man, I don't want to be about just changing it up and trying to do something different so that people feel good. I just want to stay consistent. And, and listen, it takes a certain amount 
of having no shame at all because when you're praying for the same thing over and over and waiting for God, you have people who come to you. They say, man, you're still waiting on God for this, aren't you, brother? Yeah, a little disappointed. Don't you just want to give up? Huh? You think of something different, maybe? And it's good we should sometimes implement new things. But man, I, I am on a one track asking God for revival for this city. And I am not ashamed of it, people. I am not ashamed of it. And I don't get moved when I have people sitting in the chairs when there's explosive worship and they're, they're uninterested because we got to change it up or do something different. Man, I have placed myself for one thing in this city. I didn't just come here to come here. I was doing, we were doing great in Haverhill, planting a new church with Pastor Marlene that reached out for the homeless. Loved it. I didn't come here just to play church and <laughs> let's love Jesus. <laughs> I came here to see historic revival. And if that is too romantic for you, I'm sorry. <laughs> if that is just too epic for you to wrap your mind around, I'm sorry. But that's why I'm here. And you know, I know about a couple other guys and girls that are here for that same reason. And as long as God provides, as long as he makes a way, seven years, 20 years, I will still be here praying for the fullness of God in this city. Why? Because I have the message of Luke 11 in my spirit. I have the message of Luke 18 in my heart. Saying, God, you're looking for persistence in prayer. Persistence. Shameless persistence. How? Oh. So it just charges me. I'm not perfected in it. Again, guys, I'm just like you. I'm not standing up on some podium saying I, I, I always just want to go to a prayer meeting or I always just want to pray in the morning with my wife. Ask my wife. She'll tell you. You know, she's, she's got a heart for it. She's like, Daryl, listen, we're, we're not going to do so good if we call people to prayer, but we're not doing it in our family. We're not going to be doing so good if, uh, if we're calling people to, to give themselves to the house of prayer and to give themselves to lifting their voices before God. If we're not doing it ourselves as a couple, if we're not praying for Adam, Abram, sorry. <laughs> and so my heart is this, guys, is you will not always feel the unction and the desire to pray. But when you, when you link up to the heart of God, specifically with these chapters, and then you kind of link in or you know, connect to the uh, prophetic promise over the city, man, it's, it like fuels you. Fuels you. And I'm just, I'm fueled. And I want to call people to a lifestyle of prayer. Listen, you're going to want to check out. You're going to want to switch it up. You're going to want to do this. You're going to want to suffocate this. Shut down this. Shut off that. You're going to want to step out, give up, give in, lose heart. But I'm telling you, if you can get in prayer these two messages in your heart, and not the have to, but the want to, <laughs> we'll see revival. We really will. We'll see an historic move of God. And for some of you, I know, I've, I already feel the doubt in your heart.
It's not conducive to time. I'm not worried about the time. I'm not worried about when it happens or if it happens or will it happen. I'm worried about following through on the call of God for my life. And right now, this is what he's called me to do. Amen? Will, if you'd come.